It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy day before Friday to you. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, uh, doing better. Keep him in your prayers. Uh, fantastic show, playing for you today. Absolutely, you know, I say it every day, but I really mean it today. Not that I don't always really mean it, but man, do I have a fire starter for you. Uh, plus, my Asian brother from another mother, Steve Kim, is going to join the show uh, later, talk a little Jags, Bengals, but also talk some Manny Pacquiao. You guys know Steve's expertise is actually boxing. Pac-Man has announced his retirement. Uh, Leonidas Johnson, he's going to rejoin us. Leonidas was on yesterday, uh, and he's back on today. And so is uh, Shamika Michelle, who I've come up with a new... Uh, nickname for Shamoke Show. That's what we're going to call Shamika Michelle, Shamoke Show. Uh, I may have to explain to her, I was telling her this before the show, she's never heard of the term smoke show. So I'm going to have to help her with her understanding of why I've come up with this uh, nickname, Shamoke Show, but you guys know she brings the heat. It gets awful smoky in here uh, when she comes on the show, and she's a smoke show. So I'll, I'll explain to her uh, when she comes on the show very shortly after I start this fire that I have planned for us today. Uh, and wait for it. I've been out in the backyard cooking with my good friends from Good Ranchers. Jermaine Gill, director of marketing, a partner at Good Ranchers, is in town from Houston. We sat out in the backyard this morning cooking some steaks and talking and sharing some stories. I'm gonna bring Jermaine on and we're gonna talk a little bit about Good Ranchers and why you need to be supporting Good Ranchers. But we'll talk about all that and more. But uh, let me start this fire, because I can't wait. Hope you guys are all got your fire extinguishers out or you know something that protects you from this fire I'm about to start. John Thompson, the legendary college basketball coach, had a great philosophy about his life as a public figure. He told his biographer that all humans should have three lives, a public life, a personal life, and a private life. Thompson believed private lives should remain private even in death. Modern popular culture has turned our private lives into a resource a content commodity to be mined for, current, for the currency most coveted by television networks, YouTube channels, social media apps, and print publications. Spectacle. That explained entertainer Will Smith's decision to use his private sex life as a promotional fodder for a GQ story. In an article entitled, Introducing the Real Will Smith, Smith discusses he and his wife's arrangement to live a non-monogamous sex life. He also discusses his conversations with a therapist and working through his fantasies of having a sexual harem of women. Modern American culture defines this kind of public transparency as healthy. I don't. I believe in the John Thompson model. Yesterday, when discussing the Smith story with two ministers on my podcast, this one right here, Fearless with Jason Whitlock, Pastor Anthony Walker made a fascinating observation. Not only have we gone overboard sharing our private lives, Pastor Walker remarked, what should be public has been made private, including our faith. We've turned the world upside down. We wear our sexual, political, and medical identities 
on our sleeves and we hide our Christian faith. Sex, politics, and medicine should all be private. They used to be private. We have all sorts of laws protecting our medical privacy. But now, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, wears a Vax necklace the way Christians used to wear a cross. Anybody remember, you know, we created voting booths to protect our political privacy. Now many Americans list their political affiliation at the top of their social media bios. Our political and sexual identities, along with our vaccination status, take precedence over our religious affiliation. The left sees this as progress. I see it as the destruction of the values that held families, this country, and Western civilization together. Our healthy cultural norms have been under attack for decades. Now I'll grant you, we had some very unhealthy cultural norms that needed to be eliminated. But we're in the process of overcorrecting. Not all change is good change. <clears throat> I watch football on Sundays, and I see NFL players with the words, inspired change mounted on the back of their helmets. <clears throat> Have they put any real thought into what they want change? Have they fallen for the myth that everything about America must change? I don't wanna live in a world where every aspect of human life is content to be exploited. 30 years ago, MTV launched The Real World, a reality show dedicated to human spectacle. The show suspended reality and stuffs seven strangers inside a luxury home loaded with cameras and microphones. The purpose was to document and expose the private lives of the participants for the titillation of a much larger group of strangers called an audience. <clears throat> a PBS documentary produced two decades earlier, An American Family, inspired MTV's version of a real world. An American Family was a 12-episode doc that captured the life of a California couple, Bill and Pat Loud, and their five children. Shot over a six-month period in 1971, the documentary climaxed twice. First, when the Loud's oldest child, Lance, announced he was gay. And a second time when Pat Loud asked her husband of 21 years for a divorce. The 1973 airing of An American Family was a test run for television's normalizing celebration and exploitation of family dysfunction. The seeds planted in 1973 not only birthed the real world, they conceived The Sopranos and Six Feet Under and Succession. Howard Cunningham and James Evans, the iconic dads from Happy Days and Good Times, could not exist in today's television universe. In order to be icons, we would need to explore their sins and flaws. They would need to snort coke, bed whores, and murder to become icons. Tony Soprano and Walter White, they are the modern day Ward Cleaver and Mike Brady. You remember Ward and Mike from Leave it to Beaver and Brady Bunch? Will Smith reached icon status playing the role of Fresh Prince and making rap music for the whole family. He became the most marketable star in Hollywood. Now in his 50s, I expected Smith to transition into a respected elder statesman, the role Bill Cosby tried to play before his private life cast him as a predator. It appears Will Smith doesn't want that responsibility or perhaps the gatekeepers won't allow him to take that role. Or maybe it's as simple as he's doomed by his marital choice. Smith grew up a Christian. He married a woman, Jada Pinkett, who doesn't share his religious values. He acknowledged in the GQ story that he bowed to her non-traditional view of marriage and sex. A year ago, in what could be fairly described as a humiliation ritual, Jada brought Will to her Red Table talk show and made him discuss her affair with a 27-year-old child. Jada doesn't believe in a private life, so neither can Will Smith. That's 
my fire for today. I just set Will Smith and Jada Smith on fire, and I want to talk about it with Shamika Michelle, who I'm calling Shamoke Show. And so we'll start there. Shamika, do I need to tell you why I'm calling you Shamoka Shamoka Show? Uh, yes, do you know what a smoke do. show is? Yeah, a no, smoke no. show. A smoke show is a term, uh, and you know, people probably call it misogynist, but you know I don't care if I'm considered misogynist. I guess I don't care, but it's a term men use for an attractive woman. She's a smoke show. She, you know, she's fine. She's fire. And then when you throw in that it gets awful smoky every time you open your mouth and start blasting people. You bring the heat, and so what could be better than Shamoke Show? Every time you appear on camera, it's a smoke show, uh, both visually and verbally, and so that's why I'm calling you Shamoke Show. I love it. So where do I start <laughs> with everything that you said? Where do you want me to start? There's so much to say here. Uh. All right, I'm starting with, I blame Jada Pinkett Smith. She turned out Will Smith. He bowed to her worldview. She didn't bow to his worldview. Agree or disagree? I definitely agree. And it's really sad, you know, because the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. So the fact that Will has decided that Jada wears the pants, it's really disgusting. In my opinion, I wish that both of them would just come out and admit they're bisexual and that they're just flip flopping and don't know what role they want to take in the marriage because, you know, either one goes. So it's, it's, I don't like it. And Jada really comes across as a Jezebel, in my opinion. And we know what happened to Jezebel. You know, they need to let the dogs out on Jada because this is really ridiculous. You have all these Jezebels and Ahabs that we're propping up as the ideal marriage. And that's not ideal. You have Jada and Will with this foolishness. You have... Uh, Get, uh, Gabrielle Union with Dwayne Wade in them little clothes looking like a, a girl all the time running him telling us whether or not he like his behind lick you know it is just ridiculous and what we're seeing and being pushed out here as the idea of marriage and then it bothers me that Will even had the nerve to say you know his Christian values made him you know want to go to a therapist and and check out what was going on in his mind. Where if these are things that are valuable to you, if you have values, which one do you value? Your Christian views or your wife? Because they're not going together here and you need to choose. I have no problem with people believing whatever they want to believe, but I am a fruit inspector because the Bible says that a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but an evil tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, neither can the evil tree bring forth good fruit. So let's what what are what are we doing here? Either you're a Christian or you're or you're not. If you claim to be a Christian tree, I'm gonna inspect you for Christian fruit. If you claim to be a Muslim tree, I'm inspecting you for Muslim fruit. If you claim to be a Buddhist, I'm inspecting you for Buddhist fruit. Nam yo hoda and gekyo. So choose whatever you want to do, decide, but don't claim that you are something and then we see something different from your actions. That's bothersome for me. Be one way or the other. And you're sure you don't know why I call you Shamoke Show? Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of smoke you just let off right there. Uh, what do you think of my inference or suggestion that there is another opportunity for these guys in terms of just let your private life be your private life. Why do we have to have to air everything out in GQ magazine? And, and, and which kind of leads me into my, cause even before GQ magazine, they were airing it out at her red table. And, and I see that like, that was a, a humiliation ritual that there was, there was some level of the Freemasonry that they just climbed up uh, based off of him sitting down at that red table and allowing her to make a fool out of him. I, I, so I, I just can't, why can't we just have private lives anymore? 
why? And I guess I argue in my piece that it's because it's it's good TV content and everyone can make money off of it. And maybe that's all that's driving it. Although, again, I think there's something uh, secret society driving a lot of this. Yes, for sure. You know, listen, if you want to allow your wife to ride around with your scrotum hanging from her mirror like a paradise, I'm fine with that. But you don't need to be showing that to the world. Don't be teaching that to little kids, little girls and little boys that this is the way it's supposed to be. If you bend over for her, I'm fine with it. Hey, do you. Whatever makes you happy. But stop putting it there for everyone to see. I liken that to people that be putting those nasty food plates on Instagram. You know you can't cook. You know you done made a box of macaroni and poured some green beans out the can. That type of stuff should stay between you and your kitchen. Stop putting everything out there for everyone to see. Now, I grew up in the Dear Abby phase, you know, so I do believe People that sometimes need advice or want to know something, they go and they look in public spaces. But I still believe there's a line in being able to use your life to give, you know, use your life experiences to help someone through something and just putting it out there because you want clicks or likes or you want to look cool or that's not cute and it's not it's not cute to us so if will was trying to look manly it, it didn't come off right and he just he looks weak he looks like he has his nuts balled in a pair of pink panties mm. uh I think I, I was actually at a dinner last night with a group of people, and this topic kind of came up. Not, not so much about Will and Jada, but we started talking about Hollywood and, and who actually sticks to some old-school values. And again, I say in the piece, I kind of expected Will to transition into that role that Cosby abandoned or his past life uh, cost him. But the only person I can think of is Denzel Washington tends to keep it very respectful and respectable and stays in his lane. Are you surprised to see Will Smith not pivot into that role or pivoting into this role he's pivoted into? I am surprised because I thought, you know, Will, he did the rap where he didn't have cursing. He wasn't degrading women. So even as a young man, he kind of stood out from the crowd. And I thought he would actually grow into an older man who would be more respectful and who you would look to as a mentor or someone that you wanted to be more like. You know, he has two sons. Well, maybe one and a half. But, you know... He has two sons and a, a lot of people that, you know, felt the way that I felt as far as just looking up to him and really respecting the fact that he did rap during the time a lot of people were, you know, calling women out of their names and just talking about getting money. Will made rap that actually made you feel good. So I would have thought that in his 50s, he would be doing something different. I know at 46, I'm not interested in competing with 20 or 30 year olds. There's a saying that I heard that says a fool learns from his mistakes, but a wise person learns from someone else's mistakes. I have been a fool and I have no problem telling people that. And what I hope is that wise people can look to me and learn from my mistakes. I don't want to still be out here doing foolish things and just continuing to make mistakes at some point in life you have to evolve and you should want to help people go around those pitfalls that you walked right into and I think that that's where Will should be like we think I, I think Will is an attractive man um he could be doing something better. He could be using that instead of trying to still act like he's hip, he's cool and it's the end thing. That that's over with. Teach somebody from your mistakes. Stop making them. I, I'll say this, Shamika, uh, I'm sorry, Shamok Show, uh, that having lived out in Los Angeles uh, for as long as I did and for having been involved in you know, high-level sports TV for as long as I was, I don't think you can reach the heights that, reach, that Will reached. 
I don't think you can make the money that Will made in that industry without that industry putting hooks in you that are virtually impossible to take out. Uh, it, it's There's some casting couches that a lot of times you have to visit, man or woman, because they love to talk about women on these casting couches. <laughs> Having lived out in L.A., them casting couches hold men, too. And, 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 and men get seduced by them cats. You, 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 it's incredible what people will do for fame and fortune and what values they will compromise. And once you compromise them once, and, and they got you on tape compromising, because it's a dirty game out there, and they just don't hand you millions of dollars without knowing how that they can properly control you once they've handed you that money. Uh, so I, I just kind of, I see Will as a guy trapped by the decisions he made early on in going all in out in Hollywood, and and he can't escape those things, because I do basically, I think he's a good person, I think he wants to do the right thing, I just think he made some decisions early on in life where he can't do, and particularly, even with his style of rap music, when you come up in that music industry and, and, and people get upset uh, when I say this and point this out, but there's a reason why they get dudes straight out of prison and get them to be rappers or, or dudes that can barely spell cat and you get to be a rapper. And, and the whole society paints people that are basically idiots who can rhyme. And I'm not saying all of them because I know some smart rappers and, you know, Tech Nine's a friend of mine. He's no idiot. But I know some that's like, Oh, they got a profile on you, and they know they know what you did in jail. They know what happened uh, when your mama left you at home with your, with your granddaddy or uncle or the next door neighbor. They know all the dirt on you, and and they hold it over you for the rest of your life. And so, a lot of these dudes that tat thug life uh, on their belly, a lot that's because they played hug life with a guy, a bunch of dudes that. You know, they really don't want to talk about. And so I just see Will as compromised, uh, but he's trying his damnedest. But but you just can't escape that path. And no one ever. I, I, you know what? They do all these. And because this is appropriate, because I, I mentioned here, we're doing all these reality based TV shows where everybody shows all their flaws. And let's Tony Soprano. And he's a mobster. And here's all his flaws. And Walter White, he's a drug dealer. Here's all. They need to do something on these music industry people and, and, and show them in a realistic way and what all they did to get put on by the record label. I wish they'd put that out there because then you'd understand why they say and do and promote the things that they say and do. Yeah, I definitely wish they would put that out there. I don't know if I could take it, though. I don't know if my stomach could take really knowing what's going on and seeing men in all of these compromising positions. I know for sure, though, this is one of the reasons it's so important to make sure you choose a good wife and make sure you have someone that's not going to lead you astray because you know, what we're seeing here is Jada really running the show. And I, I feel bad for Will. And I know people don't like for women to feel bad because someone told me the other day, well, he's done all this dirt. You know, why is Jada the, the bad guy? So, you know, but I feel bad for him. I don't like to see men in um uh, compromising positions. I, I just don't like to see men looking weak. I don't like to see men being ran over. I want them to stand up and take their rightful place. And I wish the same for Will as well, because what I'm seeing right now, that's just not it. Shamok Show, great job as always. Uh, Thank did, you. Did, 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 did I, we didn't leave anything out. You know, we could we could let you breathe fire for a little longer if we left something out. But if not, I'm going to keep it moving and let Leonidas come in and follow in behind you. I would like to say that the governor of New York, that necklace looks as dumb as she sounds. That's all I got. <laughs> Thank you, Shamok Show. All right. Let me tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. 
and how they've truly become a part of my daily routine and should become a part of your daily routine. Their protein bars, which are low in calories and sugar, have helped me so much in my fight to shed some pounds. It's been tremendous. These bars are full of flavor and taste. They are the perfect pick-me-up in between meals. So go online right now and order any of their amazing flavors like salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, or cookies and cream. Order a box of each flavor or get a special mix box that will include a variety. And if you order right now, you get the opportunity to purchase many of their newest flavors like cherry lime and cookie dough chunk before anyone else. Let me tell you, look, do it for the taste, do it for the health improvement, do it for all that. Do it to support me in this show. Go to built.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back. All right, let's uh, roll out to Upper Ohio and talk to Leonidas Johnson. You guys, we introduced him to the audience yesterday. He's like our uh, second version of uh, Delano Squires. You guys know Professor D, the smartest man on the show. Well, now that Delano's got a battle, uh, he's still holding on to the belt right now. But uh, Leonidas is coming for that title. He's the second smartest man on the show right now. Uh, yeah, I think with Jimmy out, we can safely say he's the second smartest because Jimmy would have to be like number 10, the number 10 contender for that. And I think we've only had nine people on the show. So, uh, but anyway, uh, Leonidas, I just got done talking with, uh, Shamok Show, Shamika Michelle. I don't know if you had to introduce you to Shamok. Maybe you and Shamok yeah. Show will be battling it out for number, the number two spot and the right to take on Delano for the smartest person on the show. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm just classifying the smartest men on the show. Shamok Show is the okay. smartest woman on the show. Okay. Uh, but we just talked about Will and Jada Smith and Will uh, using his private life uh, to promote himself. He's fallen into the trap that all of television has gone into spectacle is the greatest content right now in popular culture. And, and one of the points I made and, and the minister we had on one of the ministers we had on the show, Anthony Walker made yesterday is about how things that are supposed to be private are now public. And the things that are supposed to be public are now private. And, and he talked about how like, no, we should be wearing our faith publicly and keeping our, sex lives private and keeping our medical history private and <laughs> and keeping our political affiliation private we've got everything turned around upside and down we're making things that should be private public and things that should be public private do you agree with that Oh man, absolutely. Hey, everything, literally everything is upside down right now. We live in the upside down. Uh, first, I want to say you have to you have to stop comparing me to Delano, man. Like that's too high of a bar to reach. <laughs> I look, I look up to Delano a lot. He's 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 a great guy, and but I appreciate the comparison. But man, like it, yeah, you talk about smart people. He's he's definitely up there. But listen, man, uh, th that is not a healthy relationship that was was going on with Will and Jada. I don't know what they think they're doing, but it's clearly not healthy. And when you talk about like, we're flipping these things upside down and on their head about what we're keeping public and what we're keeping private. Uh, yeah, our faith should be public, but how often do we talk about virtue signaling in our society? And so the new religion that we're dealing with it, when you want to signal that virtue, you want to signal that, yeah, I'm righteous and yeah, I'm dedicated to this religion. Yeah, check me out. I'm wearing the garb of the Pharisees, right? Like I, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm morally superior. So I'm following these things and sexual liberation, transgenderism, uh, racial justice, whatever it is uh, that's the, that the religion is adhering to, well, you're going to make that public to get put that out there and let people know that, yes, I'm following the, the religious edicts and I am a holy person and see me pray in public. And it's just, it's completely twisted. It's a completely twisted version of, uh, of biblical principles. It's a completely twisted version of what marriage and sexuality should be. And that used to be clear to us in the past. That used to be completely 100% clear, but now, yeah, 
apparently everything is on the table, Jason. You know, you just brought me to a point that I thought about yesterday and didn't include today in terms of how we're wearing our virtue on our sleeve. And and it's it's very arrogant. It, it, we lack humility. We we anything that we do for another person in the charitable realm, we must tweet it out and let everybody know and say, look how good I am. Look how virtuous I am. I, I use the right pronouns. I do this. I do that. I destroy people who think the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's. This virtue that we're wearing publicly is really our arrogance. It's our lack of humility that we're wearing publicly, and it's getting us into trouble. And again, I, I go back to, and, and I look at how much we've leaned into race mm-hmm. and, and how, you know, being black, and let's put a capital B on the word black, and black has this special significance, and if you're white, you're an evil person. We've race has become paramount in in all of our thoughts and how we and instead of we thought we were getting better than we were in the 17 and 1800s it's like we're just reverting back to that only in the reverse it was bad then it's bad now it's and this is why and and last night I I was sharing with some people earlier and I, I think I've I may have mentioned it with Shamika, but uh, last night I was at dinner with a big group of people, a family and their friends, and they had a minister there and the whole nine. It's how they fellowship on Wednesdays and a big meal fellowship. And then some religion, they had some singing, they had a minister speak. But we were talking, the minister that was there to speaking came over like, Jason, oh my God, it's great to meet you. I read that piece about how everything is turning satanic and you were so right and I can't believe they published that. And it's really why, the way things are so upside down and so in reverse is why I keep saying like, this has gotta be satanic. That's the only explanation I can come up for, for all of our values are upside down. We're doing the opposite of what made this country great and what made this country pursue freedom for all of us, women, people of color, the whole nine. We're now doing all the things in reverse. It can only be described as a rejection of godly principles. It must be called satanic. And that's what Will Smith has no idea, but you know, he's got a little serpent leading him around and I'm not trying to let him off the hook. He's willingly following. Uh, but, but that's how I, their relationship and the way they're living out their lives public seems satanic to me. You know, I, I've said many times that once you reject God, once you reject Christian principles, uh, and maybe you think of yourself as an atheist or agnostic or something else, but once you reject that, you're going to fill it with something else. Uh, that God-sized hole in your heart is going to be filled with something else. And we know that we know how the devil works. We know how Satan works. Like he he perverts things that are godly. So you have something, uh, some aspect of 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 heaven that's imitated in in uh, the exact same way, but just in the darkness. And you know what I mean? So the devil takes things that are godly and he perverts them. Uh, and, you know, we've already talked about the different things between race and sexuality and things like that. So that's how the devil works. And he gets, like you said, the serpent, he gets in your ear and he, t- and he tells you these half truths. Uh, Yo, yeah, you, you shall not surely die. You can eat the apple. You'll be like God. It'll be fine. It'll be great. So he's telling you these partial truths about how things should operate. And then uh, it, it ends up just being completely deceptive. So yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly what's going on. I think that it, once you reject God, then um, you're filling it with something else. And then uh, you're, you're treating it as if, uh, you know, that is your foundation, that is your religious foundation. And we've gotten to the point where it's more of an extremist kind of look at things where nobody is allowed to disagree even with your religious beliefs now. So like you talked about race, like the way that critical race theory is handled, 
like I'm not allowed to disagree with critical race theory or else I'm going to be accused of having internalized white supremacy and promoting a white supremacist system. You know what I mean? So like as soon as people grip these things, they become uh, religious evangelists and zealots. And, uh, you know, they're taking this this newfound religion out into the world as the completely uh, perverted version of biblical beliefs. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with Will. Uh, and you, you said something, too, with with Shamika that uh, you thought that it may be related to uh, I, these incentives with his career and his money. And I think that has a lot to do with it, too. I think that, the, that he is influenced by those things. But there's definitely a spiritual element to that. And so I, I, I think that that can't be dismissed. Well, Leonidas, I know you're in the acting space in that acting world. And it's my belief that in order to reach the top of that profession, there's just some compromises you have to make ethically, spiritually. Mm. Uh, You you just can't get there without it. You know, for a long time, I I was solid 10 years. I've been trying to tell friends of mine, my best friends that I went to college with, I was like, hey man, there's a lane they're building, particularly for black men, that's very feminine, that Hollywood, the music industry, pop culture, the whole nine, is like they're pushing us black men into a very feminine lane. I was telling these guys this 10 years ago. I was like, you can't see it? I mean, look look at the commercial, blah, 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 blah. And and I can remember one of my uh, roommates from college, his daughter now, because, you know, my friends have adult age kids. uh, And so his daughter was telling him, or his daughter, had a friend from college and they were all out at dinner having a conversation and the guy was an actor and this was probably three or four years ago black kid and the kid says uh to to my friend and everybody at the table was like man in hollywood if you're a black dude and you willing to do same-sex love scenes there's an endless supply of jobs but if you're not it's hard to find a gig out here. And my, my buddy, the next, he got up the next day and called me, he goes, Jason, you, you wouldn't believe I was out to dinner, you know. And it made me think of what you've been telling us for the past few years, and it, it finally hit home to me. It's like, wow, people can really see it, feel it, and are experiencing it. Like, there's a lane that we're being pushed into, and there's compromises you have to be willing to make if you're ever going to experience the, the level of success that Will Smith had. And I, I know you grew up uh, being a fan of Will Smith, his music, and what he did with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, yeah. You know, your thoughts on Will Smith and, and just the acting profession, and you know, do you have to compromise to get to the highest level? A lot of people, a lot of people do. A lot of people sacrifice their beliefs and uh, their convictions in order to achieve that level of success. I mean, we hear stories about it all the time and it's not, it's not necessarily uh, race specific. I mean, you hear about women doing the same thing, sacrificing their own uh, ideas about, uh, you know, what it means to be feminine or, or to be uh, to be a woman and why, whether they should be overtly sexual or, or modesty, th- those sort of things. And they sacrifice those things. They take roles that they otherwise wouldn't have taken because they feel like they need to uh, need to do that in order to advance their career. So, yeah, I mean, y- you hear the, about those things all the time. Uh, I never worked at that level. I worked at, I worked at a lower level uh, and I didn't do any major projects or anything. I worked mostly on independent projects. Uh, so it, I, I had a lot of control over what I could do, uh, and I, I never felt that pressure. But I, I knew people who did um, because, I mean, they felt like they had to in order to succeed. And when you have such a, uh, I, mean, I guess I don't really want to say obsession, but it, it, I guess it would be an obsession with with success and, and getting to that level in L.A. or New York. And then you're willing to do just about anything to get it. And I think that's a human nature thing, you know, like because it's not just restricted to to acting. But uh, I think that's just a human nature thing. But um, to your question, I did I did 
uh, respect Will a lot growing up. I looked up to him. Uh, Big Willie style was one of my favorite albums growing up, man. Like uh, just the two of us. I, I used to sing that song all the time. And it actually, that album is what got me into music and uh, inspired me to start writing my own songs. And, you know, just just the way that Will Smith handled himself and, and Shamika talked about it a little bit, the way the way that he uh, could could make this family friendly music and without cursing and, you know, that had family values in it and things that, you know, were really respectful. I, I always looked up to him for that. Same thing with his acting. His movies were always really good. His, and uh, Pursuit of Happiness is still one of my favorite films to this day. I still quote it <laughs> all the time. And so. So to have him embrace something that's clearly toxic and degenerate uh, and and like Shamika was saying, that's pushing it on and exposing it to to children, to to other people and trying to paint it as some as healthy behavior, uh, something that should be embraced. Uh, that's very, very disappointing. And uh, you, you hate to see that happen. Uh, it's, it's why you shouldn't you know, hold people up on a pedestal because they're always going to end up disappointing you. And that's just the way it is. So, but it's, it's disappointing to see Idolatry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Idolatry, one of my that. favorite topics. Yeah, and why we have to avoid it. Leonidas, great job. Uh, we'll see you, I think, next week. All right, let's go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, we're going to roll out to LA and bring in my Asian brother from another mother, Steve Kim. Uh, All right, welcome back. Time to roll out to Los Angeles and bring in the most clever man on the show, Steve Kim. Not going to call him the smartest, although, you know, he's probably got the highest SAT score. No, he doesn't. Delano does. He's the most clever man on the show. He says some of the funniest things on the show while also making a point. Uh, Steve Kim, who made his name uh, as a boxing writer, and so it was big news in the Kim household when Manny Pacquiao uh, decided. It, do you think he really retired here, or will he and Floyd fight again at 60? Well, that ship has sailed. But, Jimmy, uh, excuse me, Jason, my thoughts are with Jimmy. But, Jason, I think the interesting thing is that Manny had to make a declaration before the presidential race in the Philippines that you're going to have a leader that's not getting hit in the head. Because uh, I'll be honest, as someone who really is not that political, I would never cast my ballot for a guy that's in combat sports that is taking trauma to the brain. That That's not really a great selling point. And there's a chance he could actually say, you know what, I lost the election. I'm going to go back to my duties as a senator. And as Ray Leonard once said, fighters don't really retire. We just change our mind. But the news was a little bit surprising, given the fact that he did have a rematch clause with the man that just beat him, Dennis Ugas, back in August. But it, to me, it's a sad occasion. This is a guy that had 72 professional fights, had all that history, eight-division world champion, was a champion in four different divisions, which is amazing. That'll never be matched, in my view. So let me ask you this, and maybe you're not an expert on this. I, I'm certainly not. I think the language disparity doesn't allow me to comment on this, but when I think of Manny Pacquiao basically running for president, and I think of American boxers, I can't think of an American boxer that I would hmm. say, oh, he's qualified to be president. <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> I can think of some athletes in some other sports where, you know, if Grant Hill one day was running for president, I'd be, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, or Bill Bradley back in the old days, yep. or uh, if, you know, I, I said when, when Jalen Hurts uh, handled that Alabama situation and just the, how impressed I am with Jalen Hurts, I was like, one day this kid might be president. That, that wouldn't shock me if some NFL quarterback uh, eventually, but a boxer, is Manny Pacquiao that impressive away from the boxing ring that he's, like a legitimate, and I know he's been a senator for a while, but is this, 
Is, is this all just off fame and popularity, or is there more substance to Manny Pacquiao than perhaps I would give other boxers? There is some substance, given the fact, as you mentioned, he's been in this pol- political arena for at least seven, eight years. So it's not just a lark. It's not a guy just saying, I'm going to suddenly run for president. Uh, but does his popularity and his hold on the Filipino people, uh, does that play a factor? It absolutely does. But people have to understand one thing. As you study the politics in that country, if you look at politics across the world, even in a landslide election, like let's say Carter against Ronald Reagan in 1980, there was still about 40% of America that did not vote for Ronald Reagan. So once you become a prize fighter, everyone in the Philippines will love you. And literally when Manny Pacquiao fights in that country, crime rate goes to absolutely zero. But once you get into the political realm, now you are really talking about a dirty business. Okay, uh, there's a lot of jokes that, well, now Manny Pacquiao knows all about corruption. He was in boxing. But, you know, this particular president, Duterte, I believe is his name, is a dictator. Men like that do not give up power easily. And in the past, they have been allies. Now, I believe they're adversaries. But, you know, I'm not so sure how qualified Manny really is, to be honest with you. And like you talk about the the language barrier. I've interviewed Manny many, many times in the past. And again, English is a second language. And a lot of times when I'd ask him a question about his own future as a prize fighter, he wouldn't give me anything particular deep. It would always be like something like this, Jason. Uh, you know, I want to talk to uh, my promoter, Bob Arum. And I'm just like, there's really nothing there. You interviewed him because you knew that if you put Manny Pacquiao on your title, you were going to get a certain amount of hits. He was certainly a worldwide star, carried boxing alongside Floyd Mayweather for about a decade. But I don't know of any particular legislation that he's put forth uh, as a politician in the Philippines that would make me say, wow, that guy can one day win the country. Now, on the flip side, he's been incredibly generous with his money. And he has a big heart. People speak very highly of him in the private sector just because of the type of person that he is. But again, Jason, that does not necessarily mean that he is fit to run a country. Steve, how great of a fighter and a career did Pac-Man have? Is he on the same level of Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, marvelous Marvin Hagler? Certainly you got to put him below Floyd Mayweather, but where, where does Pac-Man fit in among the, I don't know, the middleweights, I guess I would frame him in, or maybe he's a little lower than that, but anyway, where does he fit in? Well, I wouldn't put him in that class because it's really not fair. Because number one, um, Manny Pacquiao began his career as really a flyweight. Those guys were more or less natural mm. welterweights and middleweights. And it's interesting you say that that his career – uh, in terms of where he ranks is below Floyd because Floyd beat him in 2015. But there's a lot of fans that believe if you look at the overall scope of their career, even though one guy's undefeated, it was Manny that literally had three iconic rivalries with the three Mexican musketeers of Marco Antonio Brera, Eric Morales, and Juan Manuel Marquez. And going up in weight that many times, sparking out in Oscar De La Hoya, ending that career, beating a Miguel Cotto, blasting out a Ricky Hatton, um, injuring an Antonio Margarito, turning him into a Cyclops. That run, Jason, that he went on from about the middle of 2008, starting with David Diaz, all the way to about 2012, was as good as it got in boxing. And look, I think he's in the top 20 because, number one, not only the names that he beat, which I listed, not only the longevity because he fought 26 years, also the fact he beat Keith Thurman uh, two years ago where he knocked down Keith Thurman in the first round, in a fight, Jason, where you were knocked out because of yourself before the fight, you were there. You didn't even get to see that historic achievement. I thought that would have been the absolute perfect way to end a career. But boxing, is it's not a fairy tale. You have very uh, few perfect endings in the sport. What I am concerned about in terms of the overall scope of boxing is that when Manny Pacquiao fought, what the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown races are for that particular industry Pacquiao fights are for boxing, that when he fights, even guys like you, Jason, and Jimmy, and my friends that watch boxing maybe five times a year, Manny Pacquiao fights. You circle that calendar, maybe Canelo Alvarez is like that, maybe a Deontay Wilder. But we had a discussion yesterday about the fight next week, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Now, the fact that, Jason, you and I were both there 
pre-pandemic, February 22nd, 2020. And, and when I told you, hey, next week they're fighting the third time that you didn't even have a clue about it, that's alarming to me. And so the question that I have for you, Jason, is for the future of boxing, take away Pacquiao since we discussed him, take away Fury and Wilder since we literally discussed him yesterday. Jason, can you name five other current boxers, current ones? And who? Why am I? I'm, I'm thinking of Spence, Errol Spence. Okay, that's one. That's one. Uh, I definitely want to see Errol Spence fight anytime he fights. And okay. that may be it in terms of, Ooh. well. Wow. What, what, what's the guy, Anthony Joshua? But he Who just, just fought lost. last week. He just lost. Yeah. yeah, he just lost, by the way, to Usyk. So yeah. that's where I, I, uh, I am concerned about the are future Are the Klitschko brothers still fighting? <laughs> oh, my, you know, there's actually rumors of one of them coming back, but they have not fought in about, well, Vladimir Klitschko lost to Anthony Joshua in a very memorable fight four years ago, 2017. So when mainstream media or the general populace cannot name fighters, I, I think that's very troubling. There was a time when I grew up, Jason, me and you aren't too far apart in age. Everyone knew who Ray Leonard was, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, even Larry Holmes, Roberto Duran, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler. And when certain fights took place, there used to be uh, an era where the Today Show or Good Morning America, they used to do remotes from those fight cards for a couple of days. Nowadays, you have heavyweight title fights where guys like Jason Whitlock, who are immersed in sports, say to me, Huh, what are they fighting? That's an issue. <laughs> it's a major issue. All right, let's switch, switch topics. Aaron Lowe, University of Utah football player, NFL prospect, murdered at a house party uh, this past weekend. There's been virtually no coverage of this. This is an NFL prospect murdered at a house party yeah. in Salt Lake City. Uh, in the state of Utah, and no one's talking about this. What do you make of that? Once again, this goes back to the point that I made and you made with Joyless Reed. That I, I looked up the story Rachel, a little bit. Of it. Hold, hold on, get the right nickname. Rachel Maddow. That's her nickname. Okay, so I'll go with Rachel that. So Maddow. what is keeping her or these other athletes from starting a hashtag and bringing awareness to this. Aaron Lowe, I didn't even realize Utah had won a game that day against Washington State, first Pac-10 victory, or Pac-12. And then later that night, or actually technically Sunday morning, he was slain. And I saw some of the footage, Auk Nation News, once again, a shout-out to him, did a brilliant video on it. He, he have a mother out there in Texas that sends her son off to college thinking that he's going to get his higher education with a chance to fulfill his professional dreams, struck down in the prime of his life. I don't I don't understand this. Is that the narrative not allowed to be covered? I think me and you know that that is a rhetorical question that if it was, let's say, a white cop, this would be a na national story. Um, when I first found out about the story on Twitter, a couple of headlines that I saw, it never really mentioned that he was murdered. And there's a tragic irony, given the fact that he changed his number to honor his high school teammate, Ty Jordan, that died from a gunshot in December. Now, there's a little bit of a difference, though. Uh, the young Jordan died from what they're calling an accidental gunshot wound that was self-inflicted, but they were high school teammates. I didn't realize that. And when Ty Jordan died, it was in Denton, Texas, where he was from. But you're right. When I think of Salt Lake City or all of Utah, again, this is just a stereotype. I, I think of a lot of Mormons. I think of a lot of rural life. I don't think of violence. And that, that to me is what was most striking. Not only the fact that this young Aaron Lowe lost his life tragically very early, is that it actually happened in the state of Utah, which I don't necessarily associate with a lot of homicides. It's a crazy story. It's a sad story. I, I agree with you in terms of athletes would rather plaster George Floyd's name on the back of their helmets or, or take a knee for George Floyd. They're totally oblivious to the fact that a guy, a kid that was headed to the NFL was struck down and slain at a house party. And anybody, of my era or in anybody that's been in a college athlete on a campus has been to a house party where the locals come and raid the college kids party and you have beef and words and then the locals circle back 
and all hell breaks loose. I, I can envision exactly what happened to this kid, having lived that experience as a Ball State athlete. Uh, you know, thoughts, prayers, condolences to Aaron Lowe and his family. Uh, tonight, Steve, difficult transition, but <laughs> Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence have a chance to get a W on the board against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not sure I expect it to happen. Uh, there's a lot of people like yourself that think Urban Meyer is not going to make it as an NFL head coach. Well, I'll be completely honest. I will watch that game a little bit in between the commercials of the Miami-Virginia game. Okay, as Manny Diaz fights for his life. As it relates to Urban Meyer, fan bases at USC, uh, the U, and anyone else that's going to need a head coach, after every Jaguar loss, we are going to be checking the heart condition of Urban Meyer. How are those palpitations? Is it going to be like Fred Sanford? Is it going to have the big one? Is it going to go see Elizabeth? But Urban Meyer is a brilliant college coach. He might even be in the Mount Rushmore. He's one of the few guys that if he lined up on the opposite sideline of Nick Saban in a college setting, you'd say, okay, we're good there. We can match up with this. Urban, to me, got bored. He realized, you know, all of these coaches and athletes, it's funny, Jay, I'm sure you've covered it. They all say, I want to spend more time with the kids and family. And then three months later, they're like, yeah, I can see why I really don't. They get, they get back to what they are. This is what they do. This is what they are. This is what they love. And Urban Meyer, I don't know if he is the Jimmy Johnson, and I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is his Troy Aikman. And that's going to be a very interesting marriage because the great thing about being a number one pick is you're the number one pick. <laughs> you get to get out of the green room nice and early. You get to take the picture with the commissioner and walk off the stage. The bad part is, you're going to a terrible football team. And I was kind of drawing a comparison. This literally reminds me of Jimmy Johnson coming from the U in 88 to 89. And he had number one pick and they had Troy Aikman. So, and obviously they went one in 15 that year, but they also had already made Michael Irvin who had been drafted the year before. And they had the basis of a sound offensive line. And eventually they got their Emmett Smith. So they built that. You look at the Jaguars right now, Jay, um, Travis Etienne has a broken foot. I don't know if he's going to play the rest of the year. They have very pedestrian wide receivers. They have no playmakers. And the one thing I've noticed about Trevor Lawrence at this level, Jay, he tries to do too much. And, and the ball does not get out of his hands fast enough. He tries to extend plays, and he gets himself in trouble. And I'm going to tell somebody right now, um, Trevor, you're not playing Georgia Tech. <laughs> you're not in the ACC Coastal. <laughs> you, you can't do any of this. So I, I really wonder that Urban Meyer – it reminds me a little bit of Nick Saban. Remember this, Nick Saban score up and down in 2006 or seven, I think it was six. I am not going to coach Alabama. I am the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Two and a half months later, he was on his way to Tuscaloosa. I would keep an eye on that situation. Steve, I got to let you go because the guys from Good Ranchers are here and they're telling me my steak is off the grill and I got to put something in my stomach. Nothing better to do than some Good Ranchers meat. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, maybe tomorrow or certainly next week. You're actually going to come out here and visit us in Nashville. Looking forward to that. All right, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. I'm going to talk some Good Ranchers with Jermaine Gill, Director of Marketing Partner at Good Ranchers. Uh, stay tuned. All that hurts. I just want to be. I just want to be. I just Welcome back. You guys are catching me in action. I got my favorite utensil, my fork, uh, man's best friend. And I have some awesome Good Ranchers meat here. A little ribeye, a little filet, a couple of side dishes. But even better than that, I got Jermaine Gill here uh, sitting in Uncle Jimmy's chair. Uh, Jermaine is the director of marketing for Good Ranchers. We did some cooking out in the backyard today, and I thought it was a great opportunity to uh, have Jermaine come out and talk a little bit about Good Ranchers and try to convey to you all why supporting Good Ranchers is so important. And, and look, su support it because the meat is absolutely awesome. But there's a deeper story to Good Ranchers that I want to kind of get into because I think it's important to share. We appreciate you guys supporting our show. Jermaine, tell us a little bit about what makes Good Ranchers unique 
from some of your competitors and other meat places where people can buy their meat. Right, yeah, uh, Good Ranchers is the only 100% all-American beef um, steak company online. We guarantee every box, everything that you get is gonna be 100% American. Uh, and you can't, no, nobody else can say that. Uh, a lot of our competitors import beef from overseas. Um, they don't grade their beef, which we, so you don't even know where it came from. Uh, about five, six years ago, the US government changed the laws of country of origin laws called cool laws. And that it allows anything that is processed in the U.S. to be called product of the USA. So even grocery stores, um, you know, major about 85% of all grass-fed beef in the U.S. is actually is, is a product of the USA, but it's imported from overseas. And so um, we really saw that uh, you know there was a there was a need there for 100% American beef in the U.S. because nobody does beef better than the United States of America. And so we are the only 100% American. Anybody that watches me on this show knows that I got a bug up my ass for China. And China is actually one of our competitors yeah. in the meat industry. Yep. And again, that's why I keep hammering good ranchers. I, I, people ask all the time, well, what can I do? What can, what can I do to support America? And it's, it's really some simple things such as supporting someone like Good Ranchers. Yeah, so when you purchase from Good Ranchers, you're not just supporting us as a company, you're supporting local farmers across the US. And here's the thing, you brought up China. Well, man, we have a big issue with China. China is actually driving the smaller local ranches out of business because they're purchasing so much of our corn and feed to go feed their own, you know, the pigs and all that stuff over there, that the price for cattle feed has skyrocketed, which small local farmers, the farms that we buy from, our friends, the people that we shake hands with, the people that we get the cattle from, they're, go they're going out of business left and right. Not, not a lot of people know this, but over the last five years, over 100,000 independent farmers and ranches have gone out of business because of, because of places like China, also because of the Bill Gates of the world that want to buy up all of this farmland and then heavily invest in lab-grown meat and trying to change, you know, wanting to change the American culture of like, we're red meat, we're, we're, we eat meat, steak and potatoes, that's who the U.S. is. You know, that's, that's what made us where we are today. And we have all of these people that are trying to kind of change that culture on us. And it, it, it is like a culture war, not, in, not just in grocery stores, but at the dinner table. It, it it's funny you say that, and, and I talked about this with you outdoors earlier, about the culture war. And there is a culture war going on. And the dinner table is actually a good place to begin that fight, for people to understand that fight. I was telling uh, Jermaine the story uh, outdoors earlier about the dinner I went to last night with the uh, Curtis family. David Curtis become a great friend of mine here in, in Nashville, and he invited me to his wife's brother-in-law's house. Probably 50, 60 of us at, at, at the uh, Clayton, the Clayton's home. Their, their last name is Clayton. At their home, 50, 60 of us, raging in age from about 80 all the way down to about four or five years old. Uh, and it was a fellowship over food which is a great thing to do, and that's why the dinner table is so important, and we've gotten away from that. And then there was a discussion. Last night's discussion was about spiritual warfare and just things going on in the culture, but it's also just they were giving kids, middle-aged people, older people, an understanding of issues related to this culture war, and that's, again, people, oh, Whitlock's just having good ranchers on because they're a sponsor. No, I'm trying to get you guys to understand the depth of this war and how many different battlefields there are. It's all the way down to our American farms. It's all the way down to the meat that we eat. Right. And if we're not making conscientious decisions about who we're uh, doing business with, who we're supporting, we're going to continue to lose the culture war. And that's why... And this isn't gimmick. I love this stuff. I've been eating this stuff. It's been helping me eat better because I get eating home cooked food. I haven't been in a drive through Jermaine, I don't think in four months. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a long time for me. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. real long That's time. Great. I used to be in a drive through two or three times a day. <laughs> oh, wow. Have, because I'm now eating at home more or eating at other people's home more. I'm eating here more where we cook good rancher stuff. But I, I just want to share with this audience, again, you're at, what can you do? 
support these guys. Support good ranchers. If you want to fight back, if you want to support the kind of content that we're doing here on this show, you got to support the people that support me and this show. We're trying to build an army of fearless people, particularly fearless men. If you listen to our show, if you listen to Shamika and what she was talking about, men have to stand up. You know what men need to stand up? We need good meat. <laughs> we need good ranchers. We, and we need places like good ranchers to stay in business and to be leaders here in America. A lot of jobs affected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you have to think about how much jobs go into create into our the feeding America. And so every time a, a ranch closes down, a farm closes down, um, work shortages happen. I mean, everybody's seen, you know, go to go to any grocery store and try to buy some chicken wings. And they're, they're limiting, limiting to you to two. It's because of job shortages. Every time that we lose, let me say it in a better way, the agriculture is the backbone of America. You know, we, that, that's what made America who we are today was agriculture. And it's lost on people today. You know, it's, it's lost on people today. And, and good ranchers and us and, you know, if you support us or if you don't, we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to support the local ranches, su support the local farmers. And more than that, we're trying to support y'all guys. Like, we want to provide great American beef, chicken, pork to families. You know, I grew up, it's kind of funny, I, I grew up poor. Like, I didn't, every time I think about a steak, it was like a T-bone steak. And, you know, anytime somebody would get a steak, it was like it was their birthday or some special You've event. You've had pork steak? Yeah, I've had pork steak. A lot of pork Yeah, pork steak. <laughs> or, or burger steaks or something like that, right? Um, yeah. You know, but our, our founder, um, you know, and we decided that we wanted to make steak something that's affordable, something that you could feed your family, not just on a special occasion, but any day of the week. And so um, that, that's who we are, and that, that's the heartbone of who we are. If you like me, if you like this content, if you want to push back against the media that's trying to destroy us, support Good Ranchers. They support me, they support this show. They support Tamar, who, we're about, who I'm about to hear in my ear. You know who Tamar is? I do not. The song Fearless, that's our theme song. We play it at the end of every show. It's about freedom. I should be hearing Tamar right now, because I think we're done. It's been an awesome show. Steve Dace, Steve Dace is going to come on the show tomorrow, and we're going to talk about the vaccine. Delano, smartest man on the show, he's going to be here. All right. Enjoy tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. No relation, we all just want to have freedom Sitting on a corner, never been alone I'll break my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all want to be free We want freedom I just want, I want to be I just want, I want to be I just want, I want to be I just want